Despite finishing your seconds, here we are with your side order. I'm your increasingly prolific host, Matt, and with me, and hopefully refreshed, is Dave. Say some words, Dave. These are words. I am Dave. I am feeling somewhat refreshed. <laughs> good. Excellent. Do anything good on your podcast break? Um, not really. Just kind of, you know, taking a break from the monster editing that was known as Combat Month, which I, ho- I really hope everybody enjoyed. It was something different that needed to be done, but the editing was, oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Just slowly getting back into the swing of it now. Well, it finished on a good note because we did the best film. Oscar Ward winning film. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, aside from that, I've been watching stuff. I've played a bit of stuff. I listened to a little bit of stuff. So I don't know if you want me to kick things off this time or whether you want to go first. How about... You kick things off because I know there's something that I want to discuss with you, and another thing that I would normally bring up, but I think you're going to bring it up imminently. So go for it. Bear with me here. Well, all right then. Whilst you're faffing around, because clearly you're not ready for such a. So ready. I'm so, so ready. As part of my ascension to the PC Master Race, I've been playing. Some Age of Empires 3, the Definitive Edition. Ooh, Definitive. How was it? Definitive. How how Definitive is Definitive? Pretty Definitive. Like It's one of those games <laughs> that I've never played before. I'd always pretty much played uh, the second game quite extensively. I'd like play it for like hours and hours and hours, then I'd play it for months, and then I'd play it for hours and hours and hours. Um, so I've downloaded this, I've played a few games online, I've done a lot of skirmishes against the computer AI. It's different, but I'm enjoying it. Like, the first thing that confused me is that you don't have to mine for stone anymore. I was like, what? What? That's <laughs> just crazy. And then I was also confused because I've introduced a XP system. So the more you do, the more you build... Uh, the more you create, you earn XP, and then you can use the XP to trade them in for, like, I guess you'd call them battle cards or trading cards, and the trading cards are, like, one-off things. And depending on what civilization you're playing as, it does different things. So, like, one of them will be, like, it will send unique troops to your town, or another one will send you resources or buildings and stuff. So initially, I didn't realize that, which meant I was struggling a bit. But as I'm gradually getting the hang of it, I'm 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 starting to enjoy it more. But I think I've progressed enough now playing it that I've had a challenge mode unlock. So to unlock America, I have to clear <laughs> 50 challenges in the next seven days. Oh. I believe it's a challenge per state based on the time period that the game is set within. And I'm about okay. 26 yeah. states in. And each challenge is a bit different. Like some of them are just create a certain amount of this thing or harvest a certain amount of this or defeat X amount or win this match, etc., etc. So I'm about 26 states in so far and I'm, I'm enjoying it. But the other thing I played a bit of, changing subject, and this is where you can join me hopefully, is okay. I've finished RE8 now about four times. Oh, good Lord. 
I'm on my fifth playthrough currently, and I'm in the final third. And this playthrough is my Village of Shadows playthrough, which is the hardest difficulty in the game currently. Okay. Yes. Slight three hits and you're dead sort of difficulty. That's um, yeah, that that that's a bit much for me. <laughs> uh, to, to be fair, the hardest part I had was. Uh, this will be spoilers, so if you don't want to hear spoilers, people, skip ahead 10 seconds. Where Lady D cuts off your hand and you can't use weapons or heal. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that bit was... um. Uh, so, skippers, welcome back. I've said the spoiler, but that was the most difficult bit, and I probably died two or three times right there. But otherwise, I've not found it too challenging. So you you made a visit as per bubble rules and vaccine rules and so on and so forth. I did indeed. You actually did the castle area, which isn't as big yeah, as what was, we tried to make it out to be. Yeah, it was the first, I want to say it was the first hour or two of the game at least. Um, hmm. I really, really enjoyed it, all things considered, actually. It was, despite the fact that Capcom were really pushing all out the fact that it's not as scary as RE7... Um, I, I Matt will probably uh, agree with me here. I jumped several times. <laughs> you did. You did. Yeah. The um the addition of certain uh, monster elements, shall we say, is quite a welcome change of pace. Uh, I originally didn't know what was going on there, but you know, we we live and we learn. So yeah, I really quite enjoyed that. It's definitely. A worthy follow-on to RE7 because as much as I love RE7, I wasn't sure where they could take it. But this seems like a a logical kind of successor. And having now realised that Capcom have said, "Oh yeah, this is like part two of a uh, three-part trilogy," I'm intrigued to obviously not only get my hands on the game properly and play it through and finish it, but also where it goes from there. I have fan theories as to where it goes, having seen the full story, and they do drop some interesting thread points as to where it may go. I won't say what those are. Um, and I thought, yeah, and I just sort of like, just enjoyed it, and I've been through it multiple times. Uh, and I'm now sort of finding sort of subtle things that are different. Uh, so in the castle, depending on your route, sometimes you can be attacked only by Lady D or only by one of her daughters. Or if you go around in a particular sequence, you can be attacked by Lady D and one of the daughters at the same time and you get different dialogue. That's pretty cool. So yeah, really I like things like kind that. Of, of a lot of replayability then in that sense. Uh, I wouldn't say it has too much replayability um, as it's a relatively linear story and there's not too much uh, uh, different routes you can do. But mm. I, I'm enjoying it enough to go for it repeatedly, um, as you might expect, probably much like Resident Evil 3. I, I went through that four or five times and as same with Resident Evil 2, I went through that at least four or five times per campaign just because I can, and I've uh, been playing the bonus mode as well. So Mercenaries is back. <laughs> yeah. How, how's Mercenaries in the first-person perspective? Fucking hard. Oh, good Lord. It 
it's slightly different to other mercenaries that I've played. Again, it makes sense, first person, and I'm really struggling with it. And I can't quite work out why. Like, if I'm getting through the game so easily, you know, repeatedly, I'm not quite sure why this is kicking my ass so much. Um, but there we are. I'll keep persevering, and eventually I will be victorious. Because I need um, to get at least... a. I need to get at least a double S rank on all of the mercenary levels to unlock a thing. Fair enough. And I will. Fair enough. <laughs> Have you played anything else then, or is that...? Um, in terms of playing, I did jump back and play a bit of RE2's No Way Out scenario. No Way yeah. Out, for your benefit, is the one where you play as the cop from the start that gets munched on in the gas yeah. station. Because that's my last challenge in RE2 that I actually need to clear is to finish No Way Out firing less than 60 handgun bullets. And I'm still to this day just battling on with that. Um, that one's a bit difficult in PS4. I think with a mouse and keyboard, it wouldn't be too much of a problem. So I should probably say for listeners, RE8 have been playing on the PC as part of yeah. my ascension. That's fair enough. No, fair play, fair play. Mm. So, real sort of Resident Evil heavy month then? Yeah, uh, beyond that, I can't say I've really played too much else. I've got a couple games lined up uh, that I do intend to jump on. Uh, one of them's just had a sequel announced, which we'll come to later. Uh, mm. And, yeah, I, I don't think I'll say too much more. So come on, now that you've read your notes and I've padded out for you, what have you been playing? <laughs> Main thing I'm going to talk about here is Tomb Raider Anniversary. Mm-hmm. So I've cracked out the old Xbox 360 because I remembered I had one and was like, hmm, Xbox games, what did, what did I miss first time around? And Tomb Raider Anniversary was one of those. So people not in the know, Tomb Raider Anniversary is a... It's not a remake, it's a reimagining of the original PlayStation 1 Sega Saturn adventure from 1996. So it's got familiar moments in the game. The T-Rex is back, the the stupid, the wolves are back. Everything that you can remember, the most memorable parts like Croft Manor's back as well. It's I'm really, really enjoying it, but the the amount of bullshit jumps wonky camera angles with this is just annoying most people are saying it's about eight hours worth of gameplay ivy i am only just got halfway through it and i've put about 12 hours into it already because of winky wonky camera angles and bullshit jumping and say i'm like i say i'm about halfway through it so i'm currently in what can only be described as a greek style temple so yeah just to jump in that i played this on the ps2 so i had two questions for you are you struggling yeah. with the winky wonky camera and controls because it's an older game and it's that thing before controls were improved or are you struggling because it's just poorly programmed and my second comment because, you know, it's like a political interview. I've got to get all my questions in before you start <laughs> doing your propaganda. And the second thing is, I believe actually the Greek temple is where I got stuck as well. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's fine. Then. 
I'm control wise, it handles pretty well, but there's certain bits where it's typical Tomb Raider. You've got to make really strange jumps, and to make her lean back a certain way, you have to press back, but it doesn't match with the action she's on screen. And there's certain acts, so there's a certain bit where you have to jump because they've now implemented a grappling hook. Yeah, uh, motif in it. So you have to jump, grapple hook. You have to kind of do a wall run unattach your hook you've then got to jump another corner bear in mind this is a right angle corner to then jump off at the apex of the swinging part do a jump off to then do another grappling hook it's just it's just complete and utter bullshit and it annoys me and the greek temple bit is just stupid it's just absolutely ridiculous you have to go through certain areas to then open up other areas to open up drawbridges to collect the things from the middle to then backtrack on yourself to put them into a plinth to open another room which then you go through and you have to do the same again it's just why why that's just classic platforming games and adventure games of the era it's just yeah i don't know what it is about i don't know why to be honest i just picked it i was like i Spoilers for potential late to the party episode coming late down the line. I've just finished the Max Payne trilogy on Ooh. Xbox and I fancied a real sort of palette cleanse. So I was like, Tomb Raider anniversary. That that'll do me. So I've mostly been playing that. But like I say, I have been playing Max Payne trilogy. But by the sound of that just uh, just to jump in that, was was that one that might have been on a certain listicle by any chance? As a certain fabled list. Might you actually crossed sank off that thousand strong list? Mm, I mean, maybe in the back of my mind it might have been, but it's certainly not on the official list now that you have access to. Yeah, but let's face it, the official list has been filtered, hasn't it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you actually cleared a game off your backlog. So let's think, Max Payne 2002? Max Payne, the, ver the, the version I played was, yeah, the Xbox version, which was 2002. Max Payne 2, Fall of Max Payne, was 2003. Mm -hmm. And then Max Payne 3 was 2007 or 2008. It was one of those. So, so let's just get this clear for the listeners. He didn't just do one game. He did three games. That That's an amazing amount of progress for someone with a back catalogue that long that he's able to clear three games. Like how, and how long did it take you? So the first game I cleared in about six, seven hours. There's only about four hours of gameplay, but the the extended time, I'll probably go into this into potential Later to the mm. party episode, later down the line, that I may or may not be writing right now. Hook and tease, hook and tease. Um, was basically, there were a couple of glitches in the game that were never patched out for whatever reason, so I had to restart certain sections again to prevent the glitch from happening. But it still happens. Second game, probably a similar amount of time. It took a little while to adjust to it because you can tell that the second game had more money thrown into it. 
So they've implemented more mechanics and story-wise and things like that. And I don't think it's spoiling too much, but you do get to play as someone else aside from aside from Max Payne in the second game, which is always quite fun. Hmm. Uh, the third game, yeah, that that one was a fucking slog. Um, <laughs> it it really really was. Uh, again, potential spoilers for a possible late to the party down the line. I aggressively hate played that game. That's not to say it's a bad game. Don't get me wrong. It is a good game, but it's not Max Payne. That took me 15 hours, I want to say. Ooh, quite a while. Yeah, it it took me a while because I was I was enjoying it, but it wasn't my Max Payne. That I got to know over the previous two games, so uh, I, yeah, and it got to a point where I was going to stop, and then it said, "Please change disc," because I'm playing on an Xbox 360. The Xbox 360 version of Max Payne comes on two DVDs as opposed to one Blu-ray disc. So I kind mm-hmm. of got halfway through the game. I was like, "Well, I'm halfway now, so I might as well just keep just keep plugging at it," and I did. So, so it's wow. me. Yeah. So that's only 997 <laughs> other items on your list to, to clear then. That's not bad. <laughs> well, I've got a nice little backlog of video games uh, for the Xbox kind of piling up now because I'm buying bundles off eBay. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a good way to go. So I've got Silent Hill 4 in the backlog. Yeah, Silent Hill 4 I, I want to play. Uh, again, Moroni Musha, which I think I was going to do an episode one, but I've since deleted it i'll have to see if i can find the audio at some point for that maybe put it out on one of these episodes as a um fun little bonus episode um but yeah i think moving on now from video games uh film wise i've shit loads this month i've watched <laughs> so much all right Honestly, hit me with it hit me with it what have you been watching right so i've watched a fair bit so the first one i want to talk about so mm-hmm. for people listening at home, I'm on a video chat with Matt. I'm going to show him what I've been watching. So it's a film called Becky. It, yeah. What's wrong so with her face? This, so this was released in 2020. It was supposed to premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival in April 2020. But guess what happened? Uh, Germs. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. Went straight to VOD and home release in June. So, my main reason for wanting to see it is because Kevin James, yes, that Kevin James of Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and King of mm. Queens, he it's his first serious dramatic role, and he's playing the bad guy as well. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, it was originally supposed to be Simon Pegg. Was he any good? Um, yeah, he wasn't bad, actually. Uh, it's really quite cool. So going into it a little bit more, uh, it was originally supposed to be cast as Simon Pegg, but there was a scheduling conflict, which, yeah, I can't imagine that film with Simon Pegg in the role. Uh, so basically the main crux of the film, you've got a father and daughter, uh, Lulu Wilson playing the titular Becky and John Hale playing the father who's recovering from the death of their wife and mother. They've gone to this family cabin to reconnect with each other. However, unfortunately for Becky, the dad's new girlfriend and her son turn up to announce that the whole trip was to tell Becky that they're getting married. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
no, simultaneously, Kevin, James, and Co. escape from the prison. Their prison transport make their way to the cabin mm. for refuge. Carnage follows. Uh, nice. So I should add as well, so people can't see the DVD case at home. Uh, Kevin James has a bald head and a beard. He plays Isn't a he... neo-Nazi. Oh, okay, cool. So I mean, he has cool that he's really so stepping done... out there, not cool that that he's a neo-Nazi. Yeah, so he's got the whole Nazi imagery tattooed on his head. He's got like swastikas. He's got German iron crosses. You know that that kind of thing that you kind of when you think neo-Nazi, that he's yeah. Hmm. Uh, it's really good. The, the soundtrack in it is so discordant. It's not like a traditional soundtrack. It's kind of really discordant and long droning notes to help amplify the threat that the the family unit's facing. Uh, sound design actually overall is really, really fucking good. It kicks into overdrive when Becky decides enough is enough and she's going to fight back. It's so good. The blood and effects as well, fantastic for such a small, low-budget indie flick. It's ultra-real, hyper-realistic in places, and it's just so visceral as well. Did you say budget? Sorry? Did you say budget rather than budget? Did you say budget? I might, I might have done. I get a little bit excited. So I know budget. you're gagging. <laughs> yeah, all right. I know you're gagging here about Kevin James. So he's really mm. sinister, and he actually comes across as a force to be reckoned with. It's a far cry from his comedy work. It's not as severe a performance as, say, Jim Carrey in uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or something like The Number Seven. Um, but I'm really keen to see where Kevin James goes from here because he can only really kind of grow from that. Uh, so I really, really want more dramatic roles from Kevin James, please. No, no more, no more um, King of Queens or Paul Blart Mall Cop, please. No, no more, no more work with Adam Sandler either while we're at it. Agreed. Oh. Special shout out goes to Lulu Wilson as well because with any, uh, she's got a really bright future ahead of her. She's compelling, and she was filming this when she was fourteen years old, and she brings a lot of depth to what could have been a really kind of one-dimensional performance. Because with child actors and things, it could go either way. It could go either really, basically, you could get is it Jake Lloyd in the Phantom Menace? Christopher Lloyd, Jake Lloyd, isn't it? Yeah, Christopher yeah. Lloyd is See, slightly different. Yeah, I don't know where I got that from, but you could Great get Jake Scott! Lloyd in. <laughs> but you could get Jake Lloyd in kind of the Phantom Menace going, yippee! Or, you know, this is completely different. So you watch her from going like this really, really angsty, rebellious teen to this determined survivalist wreaking bloody revenge on this group of neo Nazis. Uh, only complaint mm. and the whole film is the finale is literally too dark. So you couldn't see anything. You, yeah, you literally cannot see anything. You know that some cool shit is happening. Uh, slight spoilers, you hear squishy sound effects and you can clearly hear it. It sounds really, really cool. It's heavily implied, but you can't see it. And it's like, I know they've probably done it to kind of cover their backs for the budget and things. I kind of want to see it at the way because it's kind of 
what this whole film has been based around the the whole the showdown between Becky and the Kevin James character, mm. whose name is Dominic because I've just remembered. Uh, it's a solid eight out of five. Bumped it down to seven because literally the final scene, you can't see it. And Kevin James, he does get quite grating as it goes on, unfortunately. He starts off really sinister and really intimidating, but kind of the more he speaks, it, yeah, it doesn't really do him any favours, unfortunately. Hmm. Okay. But definitely worth checking out, for sure, Becky. It's very, very good. Hmm. But next one I watched. Uh, I'm going to show you the DVD now. Um. Boss Ross Boss. It's called Possessor. Oh, that's that's not what it said at all. <laughs> Come out last year. Uh, it's directed by Brandon Cronenberg. Now you're hmm. pulling a face. Yes. Any relation? The son. Yes, it is the son of David. Before you ask. <laughs> uh, okay. It was. So the main reason for me wanting to see it, it was ranked on many horror writers' end of 2020 lists. And I know that uh, friends of the podcast, Strong Language Violent Scenes, rated it very, very highly as well, which I think is probably where I first heard about Possessor. And it's recently come on uh, Shudder UK, I want to say. But I, I bought it on DVD. And obviously, with it being Cronenberg's son, it was elevated to a mercy. And I finally got around to it in June 2021. <laughs> <laughs> as uh, as yeah. is the way. So I'm now... Mm. Going to um, wax lyrical. Please stop me if you think I'm going on or whatever. Stop! Oh, my God. This this is one of the best sci-fi horror films I've seen in the last 10 years. It is astounding. It's thought-provoking. It stays with you. I really wish, honestly, I had watched it sooner. It's a high-concept sci-fi thriller that deals with the consciousness and mental health, kind of in a way, and questioning the way the mind works. It does all this while having a really tightly honed script, mesmerising performances from the cast, and sublime soundtrack. Seriously, it's so fucking good. You'll be thinking about it for days after, because I definitely did after I watched it. And you will probably question your own identity as well, because it is that sort of film. Uh, there's no CGI either. It's 100% practical effects, and it's all in camera. It's all done. It's bloody. It's violent with a tinge of Daddy Cronenberg's love of body horror as well, which was quite nice to see, considering it is Brandon. I barely blinked the whole film was on. I barely moved. It's a while since someone gripped me so much like that, possibly since I saw... Uh, the world premiere of A Little More Flesh 2 at the Soho Horror Festival, uh, shot down Saturdays a little while back, which I think we talked about on an episode, but I think got deleted for whatever reason. Mm. But it's, yeah, I, I tried to write my own plot synopsis. I couldn't do it without spoiling it. And honestly, the, the back of the DVD box is... Most precise way to put it. So let me know if this um, grabs you at all. So, uh, using brain implant technology, corporate assassin Tasia Voss takes control of other people's bodies to execute high-profile targets. As she sinks into a latest assignment, Voss becomes trapped inside a mind that threatens to obliterate her. 
I feel like I've seen or read or played a lot of stuff like that. So yeah, okay. One to it's, check out. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it it's one hell of a ride from the way how they explain kind of how the main character forms these assassinations where she's kind of taking over the body so she's acting as like a parasite inside of a host body in a way using uh well, i really don't want to spoil it because you need to go basically stop then stop then yeah it's so so good you need to see it like i said you won't regret it it is violent and it well and i'm sold then it is really violent and really gory and obviously the whole body horror angle as well but i mean along with that it's so so good i couldn't stop thinking about it honestly it is amazing let's draw a line under that so what else you've been watching come on so remember vipco no they're back in the modern era <laughs> Oh dear, that means nothing. I had a feeling. So the they were in, mostly known from the 1980s to early 90s. They're a VHS company that released a lot of the old video nasties. So when you think of video nasties, you probably think of things like Zombie Fleshy as they put it out back in the early 80s. They, I believe they put out the Driller Killer as well. And things like that. Along with that, they put out Shogun Assassin that you might remember from kind of when we had it on DVD in the early 2000s. Yep. Do you remember the Shogun Assassin? Yeah. Indeed, I Vip do. Co put that out. And they put out other films like The Nose Picker, I want to say, and so, some other stuff. Are they putting out VHSs again or Blu rays? Uh, they're putting out DVDs and Blu rays, and they're on oh, streaming okay. at the moment. So. There's two films currently available to buy on their website, currently on DVD and Blu-ray. Admittedly, they are DVD art and Blu-ray R's. So they are burning them themselves. But they're still building up their business after many years away from the market. They're, they're actually, uh, at the moment, trying to acquire a load of films modern, which, yeah, fine, I'm, I'm cool with that. Support local modern horror, all in for that. But they're also trying to acquire films that they released in the 80s which is pretty cool when you think about it I, I can't see it happening because a lot of their film legacy collection is available via other labels especially in the uk when you think about zombie flesh eaters which was a vipco title that's currently available from arrow video so what is the legality of them burning them themselves like is the stuff to burn in themselves officially licensed to them to do that or are they just trying their luck i think it's officially licensed to them like i say there's only two actual physical bits for sale at the moment on their website but i do believe they have branched out into streaming on amazon prime because that's where all the horror shit goes yeah emphasis on the shit bit to my opinion but okay right so the first title i bought is this you won't see this very well just forever psychotronic people so 
what this is, it's a look at the video announced era through the eyes of tape traders, not um. from the film side or anything. It's stories of tape trading, raids on VHS stores, attitudes of the era as well. A lot of talking about how people uh, would go to film video conventions like in, I think one place they talked about, was in Brixton, I believe it was, and places like that, and the whole market stalls and things, and how you had to go and ask, kind of, it was all underneath the table, and obviously trading standards coming in and raiding them. What makes this unique, though, is it's actually filmed on VHS. Right. So it's got a proper old-school experience to it. It's a fairly interesting documentary it's not necessarily essential viewing if you're into like me your, your video nasties and stuff but it's nice to see it from another side because you don't get many stories from people who like tape traders and things like that it's quite nice to hear from their side of it because it's always from the perspective of filmmakers and the video companies it's never from the people who kind of you know, went out of the because we take it for granted now that we can just go online, we can either go on eBay, we can go on uh, cough cough, perfectly legal websites, cough cough, and acquire them in that measure. Where these people before had to, you know, go to a car boot, again. I know, yeah, they had to go to a car boot and they had to go to they had to know people that knew people to say they wanted to get a first generation copy of, say, Cannibal Holocaust as opposed to their fifth generation transfer of Cannibal Holocaust mm -hmm. and things like that, completely uncut. So it's quite interesting on that way to kind of see it from their side. So I quite enjoyed that. It takes a little while to get going and to get used to the VHS style fuzzy video media side of it. But yeah, it was quite quite enjoyed that there's a host and host of extras on there quite enjoyed that worth a look if you get a chance cool. you know. so you've been watching uh, a lot last... how much how much more has he watched oh, promise it's the last one from vipco so this is the second film that is available to purchase from vipco and he um, bought them both the devil in the woods Devil in the woods um right I'm not going to lie. You ready? I'm ready. It's fucking awful. Well, yeah. Absolutely fucking awful. So this was released this year. It's really... Uh, it's just... Ah, oh, God. Thinking about it, just... Oh, I was so angry when I was watching it. I'm probably going to get rolled up now thinking about it. Well, let's, so, let's leave it... How about then, counter-proposal, you leave it there and you do an episode on it. Drunk no, because I don't want to watch it again. Drunk cast. No, I don't want to watch it again. You need to live stream that. Whilst ham whilst hammered. I can't watch it again. I can't. Don't then suit yourself. <laughs> so I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna do it now. Uh, so okay. colour palette wise, it's really, really washed out. It's extremely pale. The ADR sounds like it was done via Zoom. It's really, really bad, zoom, poor zoom, quality zoom. audio. The music is bad. The acting zoom. is bad. My understanding is that it was made last year during the peak of germs, quote-unquote. I appreciate the thought to get it done, but it's just shit. There's no consideration into the camera shots. 
that's done. The shots linger for too long. The dialogue is stilted. The shots, well, you can tell there's deliberate social distancing. What was the fucking point? It makes sense, I, but I, it's pointless. Ladies and gentlemen, the worst I film think, uh, I've ever seen. I think Dave is getting a bit upset, everybody. It's just... 46 minutes in, you've got to kill using one of those retractive knife blade, retractable knife blades, right? That goes in when you stab someone. It's awful. You can tell that they've done it, you know, rather than doing a shot. stabbing. <laughs> 70 minutes and it feels like three hours. The girl has her throat slit towards the end of the film, but she manages to get up and she's still bleeding before being captured again and then stabbed repeatedly by masked so, so, people which is never explained who they are what they're doing aside from a couple of shots of witchcraft books because reasons there's a big twist at the end right where the girl's dad kills his daughter while wearing a mask then the big police officer knows he did it and thanks him for the sacrifice because reasons oh so it sounds oh. like a 10 out of 10 would buy again from uh, Vip Video. No! <laughs> so you won't be buying was... anything else from them, then? Are you within your 14-day your, your return window? Customer satisfaction? Because clearly one is not satisfied. No. Okay. Again, that's the problem with having like... a long list and taking six years to watch everything. That was fucking awful. That jumped the list. I could have watched something better than that, and I spent 70 minutes of my time just getting irate. And I've, I, I need a breather. You, you take yeah. it so, for so, a couple of minutes. So, speaking of watching something better, I know how to do films, unlike Dave. So, I watched a fair bit this month. So, I watched Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Big smile on my yeah. face all the way throughout, singing along with the music, speaking along with the lines, just really enjoying myself. Like, none of this turmoil and unknown suspense as to whether or not it's going to be a shit film. Because I'm going into that line, yeah, this is going to be quality, like over two hours of quality. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sorted. You know, I watched a bit of Starship Troopers, the first one, which is brilliant. Again, I sat there, a smile on my face for over two hours watching them kill bugs, watching their whole uh, propaganda and silliness and the whole um, political thing that is essentially a fascist state. Uh, really interesting thing to watch. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I don't do you know want to you... know more? I... Do you want to know more? I, I really <laughs> don't. I really can't quite understand sometimes where you're like, I've just brought some shit from a random company. I know, I'll watch some more shit. Like, you, you should well, do what you I do. What you should is. just go... You know what? I want to watch that. Oh, no, I'll put on an Arnie film. I know it's going to be good. Like, I, tell you, I tell you what, though. I've, I did watch one good film this month. Did you? Was it Indiana Jones? I did watch one. No, <laughs> I watched Sp <laughs> Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because it had its um, UK terrestrial oh, yeah. TV premiere a couple of weeks mm. back. And God, I love that film so That is much. a really good film. That is I, a I really love that good film, film so much. It's just so stylistically perfect in every way. I just... Uh, I'm yeah. worn out. I'm worn out now from that. I'm just so, so, I forgot uh, like, how much I hated that film. I'll tell you what else I watched, and this was a new thing, but see, I knew this one was going to be good because I read up on reviews first, and they went, this is a must-watch, <laughs> like 10 out of 10, super brilliantly good in every possible way. I feel like you're calling me out here. Uh, yeah, I am. I watched Invincible on Amazon Prime. 
Oh, yeah, I want to see this. I want to read it as well, but I do want to see this. It is really good. It is really violent. Um, I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the voice cast. Enjoyed the animation style. I enjoyed everything about it. And I can't wait for more, to be to be honest. Mm. Um, they did some interesting things. I've not read the source material, as one might expect. But my understanding is from the the animation that I watched that they essentially uh, made the main character, uh, the lad, I'm not going to give out names or anything because I don't want to spoil anything, but the main lad is actually Asian-American in this, whereas I believe in the source material, he's just a white, generic white kid. So they've actually changed his race slightly. And so him and his mum are Asian-American. Um, okay. And I was like, okay, that, and that actually was just a nice thing. It didn't detract anything from the story. Um, and I just thought it was a nice little twist to go, yeah, why not do stuff like that? Like, doesn't have to make a whole song and dance about it. And it was really good. And it, ha- and it was um, the voice actor for that character was, uh, I believe, Stephen Yun, who was from uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah, I was going to say, it must it's... have a Walking Dead connection because obviously I know the original comic was by Robert Kirkman, mm. who wrote he was, The Walking Dead. So and he was very, the, in, the he was very involved, actually, in in the animation as well yeah. uh no it is brilliant you know we've got uh other great voice cast we've got is obviously the voice of uh jay jonah jameson himself oh what's pictures fireman <laughs> yeah so we <laughs> got the lovely jk simmons and he voices omni man like he voices yeah, like I one sh- of the main characters and he like yes yes you tell him i've, I've seen the memes online yeah there's, uh, there's been many yeah. memes. Uh, yeah, there's there's so many brilliant key scenes, and even like some of the side characters and and other like villains and things happening in the background are just stupendous. Like I can't fault mm. it. Really enjoyed it. I think it's like eight episodes are about fifty five minutes of pop, so slightly longer than what I would have expected for animation. But I was glued. Mm. Like it's it's one of those where you're watching it and you don't end up looking at your phone. Um, you just watching it like start to finish. I think the, yeah. the, the best thing they did is the way the title screen comes on in every episode. It comes on, uh, it just flashes invincible on the screen and it just appears randomly throughout. So it doesn't always come on at the start, <laughs> doesn't always come on like two or three minutes and it just randomly appears. And it's normally when the character says, hi, my name is, and then it cuts to the screen saying Invincible. <laughs> but it gets progressively oh, cool. covered in more and more blood every episode, like blood splatter appearing on it, <laughs> which is just like, yeah, that that's that's pretty rad. Um, that's cool. That's cool. You know, I obviously rewatched a few Arnie films as well, just to tick the boxes. We, we won't go into them too much detail here but i wanted to ask you a question i saw an article on the internet okay and it's not something that would interest me but it's probably more up your alley did you know did you know that the missing george romero film amusement park has been released in 4k i didn't know that there was such a thing as a missing george romero film Apparently yes, he was he's... produced in 1973 in between Season of the Witch and The Crazies. And the plot synopsis for everybody is like one sentence. An elderly gentleman goes to what he assumes will be an ordinary day at the amusement park, only to find himself in the middle of a hellish nightmare instead. And the poster has like some guy's head split open with like a merry-go-round yeah. in the middle of it. 
And I'm like, I hadn't heard of this. Um, apparently this film had been considered lost until about 2017. Um, but I thought, this is going to tick some of your boxes. So I thought I'd make you and the audience aware of it, if they're not already. Yeah, I, I was already aware of it, because obviously being a big horror guy that I am, and obviously big fan of Romero, not not so much his uh, his later stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was I was aware that after he passed, I know a lot of his films were put into the uh, Pittsburgh... Uh, it was put into some form of museum in Pittsburgh, which is obviously where he studied and a lot, and he filmed a lot of his films. So I know that the Romero, oh God, what's the word for it? Uh, the Romero estate had said they'd got their hands on, they'd found this film, and yeah, I'm quite excited to see it. I think it's streaming exclusively at the moment on Shudder in the UK, so that's definitely what yeah. I'm gonna. I believe it's got a take out. I believe internationally it's had a physical media release as of the June June the eighth. Four K. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think um, I may have to um pump for a shutter hmm. subscription again because I gave it up sort of late last year, unfortunately. But I think with yeah, the again, what do you need to be subscribed when you've got like stacks and stacks of stuff to work your way through? It's, <laughs> it's the sort of thing, isn't it? So there is one yeah. more thing I wanted to talk about, and this will lead us quite nicely into our next thing. And I'm hoping this will be a relatively interactive thing. So in our video chat, I want to do a screen share, and I want you to watch a trailer for something. And I want your live okay. reactions for the crowd. So I'm going to try and do a screen share. Okay. Don't read the title in the black bar, and I'm just going to start. And hopefully it will play with sound. If not, I'll just send you the link, and we'll try again. Okay, so are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so we've got marching people. Phantom Fathers who brought you. Archer. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Expendables. And Magic Might. What? What? I'm George Washington. Let's go start <laughs> a fucking revolution. What is this? It's America, motherfucker! Did you practice that light in the car on your way here? What the fuck is a car? <laughs> Holy shit. Hello, Gav. Oh, hi, Gav. I can't ask you to go in there with me. You? Yeah, good, because no. Great, good luck. Whoa, 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 whoa. What the hell is this? So you want me, a black dude, to play lookout for you while you break the law? Why is Big Pen a mech? What? Don't tread on me, bro. The America's sweetheart. Terry Tate, Olivia Munn, Judy Greer, Simon Pegg, Andy Sandberg. Okay, so quite quite well-known cast. Why was he playing guitar on top of the hill? America the motion picture. What? Fuck my life. Um... Um, and don't forget the tagline, it's historically accurate. Um. So yes, everybody, the title of that little trailer was called America, the motion picture. Coming to Netflix 30th of June. So would you like to tell everybody what you just witnessed? Um. 
Okay, let me throw out some voice casts for you then whilst you just process for a moment. We have wow. Shannon Tate. We have Shannon Tatum as George Washington. We have Simon Pegg as King James. We have Judy Greer as Martha Danbridge. Bobby uh, Moynihan as Paul Revere. Olivia, Olivia Munn as Thomas Edison. Amber Nash as the street racer girl. Uh, Lucky Yates offering some voices. Babe, the Blue Ox, the baseball announcer, and Dude Bros. We also have the voice of Killer Mike as the blacksmith. We have the voices of Jason Manzukas playing Samuel Adams. We have Will Forte playing Abraham Lincoln. Jesus. We have the voice of Kevin Gillespie as John Wilkes Booth. Andy Sandberg as Benedict Arnold. And so many more. Um, I'm just speechless at that. It's like... Uh, it's... America! As in the world's view of America, literally, in that voice, just, America! I'm just, wow. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to watch that. Um, uh, again, wow. I knew that you wouldn't have seen the trailer for that, because we, we operate in different circles. Um, yeah, um, wow. And I've been saving that for, like, two weeks. <laughs> wow. to this moment. I wouldn't have seen it. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, when this episode goes live, we'll just post that trailer underneath it. I'm just... I'm speechless at that. That was... Amazing visceral, in every way. A visceral assault on the eyes and ears, and I'm I'm ruined. Hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, so we should move on to our, our, our final part of the show really yeah so so the connective fluid was traders yes yeah nice segue okay nice okay so you did take that way and we're not talking about the paul blart segue oh um yeah so it was e3 which is the electronic entertainment expo i think is their name which for those of you not necessarily who are into video games or such, it's basically video game Christmas. Would you agree with that, Matt? It used to be. Okay, we're going to get into this later on. So essentially, uh, it's where all of the game developers get together in one place. I think it's San Francisco or is it California? America. Uh, America somewhere. One of the sunny states. They all get together in a big convention hall, and they go, and they basically, I know Matt's going to hate this analogy, but they whip out their massive content dicks and go, look at this! And some of them are compensating this year. Oh, boy, were they. So, we didn't have one last year. The last time we had an E3 was in 2019. It was obviously cancelled last year because of germs, and it was all online this year. So, Matt, you're, are we, we've spoke about it very liminally uh, over chat and messenger. So tell me, let's, let's proper dig into it. What did you think of the overall sort of format and kind of E3-ness this year? So I have no issue with the format. I don't mind them doing an extended weekend of video conferences all about 
anywhere from half hour to an hour apiece between all the major studios and developers. So as well as like developers, you also had like platforms that so you had uh, like Nintendo present, who were also a developer and like Microsoft for the Xbox. I don't mind that. It's nice to get like sizzle reels and some behind the scenes stuff from like uh, studio leads and developers. But overall this year, it was a shit show. I I, I don't mm. think anybody had, you would have thought having missed last year's window to advertise stuff that this year would have been crammed to the brim full of brilliant stuffs. And to my opinion, it wasn't like, I, I looked at the initial few um, streams as to who was going live and what they're chatting about. And I went, well, this is rubbish. And then I didn't tune in for the rest of the weekend. Wow. That's um, definitely something. i got to admit, I think I was pretty much the same, mainly because the first couple of days, because I think it started on a Thursday. So the first stream, I think, was the... I've got a little window open in front of me, was called Summer Games Fest. Uh, sorry, it wasn't on Thursday, it was on the Friday. It was hosted by Jeff Keighley. And nothing really in that showcase did it for me. So they showed off Elden Ring. It's fine. If you like FromSoft games, you like your Dark Souls, you like your Soulsborne, and if you like um, George R. R. Martin not writing the last book in the Game of Thrones... Yeah. Again, he's got one job to do, and he's uh, procrastinating still. If he's not Zorbin, yeah. he's appearing in fucking video game conventions. <laughs> yeah, like I say, Death Stranding director's cut, fucking Amazon Prime, the game. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really do a lot for me, like I say. Even, even like the Gearbox one didn't do anything for me. It was just... Just overall not very good. So I think now we should probably talk about the stuff that we did like, if there was anything. What what did we uh, like the look of? So I like the look of fuck all. I think one of the things I liked was what you sent to me, and you can talk about that in a moment. And to be honest, the game I'm more most excited about, I think, was actually announced before E3, which is probably going to be my, my summary point of going... Why we can now do video conferences at any time we want, and Sony's state of play has proved that. I, I kind of feel, direct. yeah, yeah, I kind of feel like you either save your big stuff up for this, or you just go, nah, I'm not going to bother. Which I think was Sony's attitude this year. I don't think they showed up, did they? No, Sony were too busy mm. trying to count their coins. Yeah, so to be honest, the game I was interested in, which wasn't actually from E3, was Back for Blood, the uh, oh, spiritual yeah. successor to Left for Dead. Yeah, made by the same team, yeah. Yeah, I, I just like the idea of killing zombies in a squad. What more can I say? And it's got the Left for Dead precedent behind it, and... I'm a big fan of Left 4 Dead. I love that game on the Xbox 360. I had many, many hours on uh, party modes and stuff, just screaming at zombies, just randomly charging at us. And yeah, yeah lots and lots of fun. Love that. Got a lot of time for that game. Not aged too well, though, unfortunately. But yeah, give me a modern version yeah. of that. I'm all in for it. Which is back for blood. exactly the reason why I'm looking forward to the 
to this new title, which I think is coming out later this year. So I'm like, yeah, I'm down mm. for it. But in terms of what was actually announced at E3, that I went, oh, and there's one that you actually sent me, and that yeah. was a new Metroid game, a new 2D Metroid game called Metroid Dread. I was like, yeah. yeah. And my first question back to you before I got excited was, I was like, is this set after Fusion or not? And you went, it's set after Fusion. I went, right, I'm now actually going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to check this out. <laughs> because F- Fusion was like the last truly ch- 2D thing. On, and I believe that was released on Game Boy Advance in like the early 2000s, early to mid 2000s. Yeah. And it was set right at the end of Samus's timeline. And everything they did then, like Prime and Alvarem and all of that, all preceded that. And they never seemed to want to ca- ca- continue the story beyond that because mm-hmm. it left Samus in a really interesting place, having destroyed all the Metroids, having come across this parasite and destroyed them because, you know, she's Samus. And I'm like, so when they announced that this is a new one set after that, I'm like, huh, okay, you have my interest. <laughs> so See, I may I have to buy a Nintendo probably, Switch. I was going to say, I had a feeling you probably would have missed it, mainly because it was a Nintendo thing, and obviously we're not big Nintendo boys or girls. But, um, yeah, so I thought I have to show you that. I think for me this year, uh, Nintendo really, really stole the show. For sure. Yeah, because they, they actually had stuff. Only because, literally, only because they actually showed new stuff. A lot of the things for me this year at this year's E3 was that it was stuff we already knew was coming or had been rumored. So when Nintendo came out of the gate and went, Yeah, look at my content, Dick. And they went, Here's Metroid Dread. Here's Breath of the Wild 2. All right, we knew it was coming, but it's always nice to see more. Um, Breath of the Wild and that I got quite excited because there's a new WarioWare gaming coming I like WarioWare games, they're good fun good party games as well, very very fun and on top of that the thing that got me the most was the sheer audacity of Kazuya Mishima from the Tekken series in the Smash Brothers (laughs) I just couldn't believe it when it kind of opened up on screen and it's kind of him carrying uh, Ganondorf from the Legend of Zelda and throwing him into the volcano. I was like, what the hell is this? Is that Kazuya? <laughs> yeah. And just and the then, rest of the trailer, like 90% yeah. of the trailer, is just him chucking people into a volcano. Yeah, it just shows him keep approaching a volcano with different characters he's defeated. You're like, yeah. Now, isn't yeah. it like Kirby is the funniest one where it like, floats back or bounces back or something yeah Kirby's him. the last yeah. one he throws he kind of literally holds his arm out drops mm. him looks over the edge and just in the background you just see kirby just float off like not today yeah so I was, yeah that, that was amusing i must admit and it did seem that nintendo brought their a game um i was gonna say it really tickled the nostalgia glance for me the nintendo one because along with the kazuya kind of announcement Advance Wars is coming back. Advance Wars 1 and 2, ground up remakes. I, I remember those. Wars, I was going to say, I thought Advance Wars was dead and buried a long time ago. Ironically, when the Game Boy Advance stopped, <laughs> <laughs> as is in the title. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in for that. And I must admit, the temptation now to buy a Switch is pretty high, just based off of this E3 announcement alone. Because like I say, 
uh, Metroid Dread, for God's sake. That looks amazingly good. Smash Brothers is always fun, and like I say, Kazuya is probably a good way to get me into it because I'm not necessarily into Smash Brothers, but having a Tekken fighter in there, why not? And like, mm, I say, exactly. uh, like I say, Advanced Wars as well, that's coming. Mm. Why the hell not? You know, you know I, I think I've been overly harsh to E3 and all of the other developers. I should probably make reference, because the entire internet has, the Battlefield 2042 trailer, which was one of the first things out of the gate at E3. Have you seen the Battlefield 2042 trailer? Uh, I skimmed it, yeah, I'm aware of it. And you've seen the, the super cool hype bit that's meant to make you pre-order the game, to which I went, yeah, no, I'm not stupid. <laughs> and that was uh, a fighter jet with a piloted jet it's falling through the air gets out a rocket launcher blasts the jet that was chasing him and then gets back in his plane alright let me uh, let me send you a link to that because it's most hype and you'll totally not pre-order the game because what have we learned do not pre-order EA never games never pre-order video games mm. <laughs> never day one you're much like consoles, you always wait down the line, wait for the patches to come in. Is People that... who bought Cyberpunk 2077 will attest to this. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, oh, this trader is age restricted. If age restricted it. Ah, oh, I'll find it later. What? No, I'm not tolerating this. I'll just go to a different website. <laughs> Yeah, see, there we go. IGN doesn't care. Good old IGN. Uh, uh, I'll paste this into Discord then. Okay, let's have a look. Helicopter, explosion. Okay, fighter jet. It's flying. It's flying. There's another fighter jet. They're flying. They're dogfighting. He's looking backwards. He ejects. Rocket launcher. Oh, fuck off. That's silly. Yeah, yeah that's not going to happen yeah. in the game, is it? Not with my skill, it's not. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. i tell you what I did like the look of, though. There was a couple of bits that I actually quite fancied this year, mm -hmm. uh, video game-wise. I did it video game wise. Uh, uh, with the Xbox and Bethesda, or Bethesda, uh, I really like the trailer for da, 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 The Outer Worlds 2. That was a mm. really nice little trailer. Um, very self referential about every trailer known to man going, This is a footstep. Now, a dramatic shot of the wilderness. This is to show you that something is coming. It's a really, really nice trailer. Uh, quite enjoyed that. The Outer Worlds 2 is coming. I know there's a lot of fans of the first game. I'm happy for them. Uh, I did actually, surprisingly, I actually like quite like the look of the Halo Infinite multiplayer, just based purely off the fact it looks really pretty and really nice. I'm not a big Halo boy, but the multiplayer I, as well, it's I, free to play. I simply don't care because Halo, not interested. Yeah, 
it, it's like it's every year there's a new halo and there's been a new halo like every year for like twenty five thousand years like just <laughs> just not interested no no uh, the conference I liked the most, though, which people absolutely hated, I really liked the Square Enix one. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, everybody hated it for various reasons, which will come apparent soon. So then they sh- formally showed the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Uh, really, really pushed it hard. So you had the trailer of it, really, really nice. Uh, it's made by IDOS, I think, this time around. It's a single-player game. You're going to be playing as Star-Lord and like a squad-based third-person shooter. Really looking forward to that. I think the... um, I think the dialogue trees and such are really going to make or break that game. But from the gameplay... They showed about 10-15 minutes of gameplay footage. What I saw of it looked really, really solid. And I really can't wait for that it looks like uh squeenix has kind of learned from their mistakes from the marvel avengers games speaking of which black panther dlc is coming out uh lovely great couldn't care less unfortunately because the marvel avengers game is just a shit show from what i can gather uh uh yeah yeah life is strange true colors yeah it looks gorgeous looks lovely i love life is strange the first one i haven't got around to playing the second one or before the storm yet but i trust that you know they they will be fantastic as well yeah i don't intend to play anymore to be honest i like the first one so much it was a nice story i don't need more i'm, I'm just going to leave it there yeah. but you could get the remastered collection which just literally looks like they've changed the lighting and that's about it from what i could tell or, from the trailer, or but... hear me out here i could not and I could just keep my happy <laughs> memories of the experience with it, and not and not taint it with shitty sequels potentially, or numerous sequels. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a one and done, as, as like games or films. No. They don't all have to be giant franchises. No, I mean that's fair. The biggest thing I took away from from though were from the Square Enix one was we need to kill chaos. Chaos! And yes, I am referring to Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin trailer, which I think, which is a Final Fantasy spin off game coming from Team Ninja. And it looks utterly ridiculously bad, but in a really, really fun kind of way. And everybody just seems to keep going, Chaos! I need to find chaos. I need to kill chaos. I think I counted there was at least 20 mentions of the word chaos in that trailer alone. Say Team Ninja. Team Ninja. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Of Ninja Gaiden fame. Hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people hmm. saying it looks like a Soulsborne game. I didn't get that vibe, but again, I have been way off base before. It looks wacky. It looks stupid because the main hero needs to kill chaos and he's wearing a polo shirt so you know he's serious Hmm. and he has a whacking great big sword and there's no blood in it it's just all crystals and stuff which yeah that's fine it's final fantasy i don't know why they didn't make it its own ip but so they could mark it as final fantasy that's why i guess i guess so uh capcom 
decided that they were going to try decided that they were going to try and put on one of the worst shows this year and just literally put up a splash screen saying we are making resident evil 8 dlc it's like of course you're making resident 8 dlc to be honest i'm surprised they didn't make dlc for resident evil 3 though arguably if you refer back to my previous point is that the resident evil 3 should have just been dlc on the resident evil 2 package yeah like and it's going we're suddenly going to make dlc for it it's like well was your intention not to apparently so then you have to you have to assume so in which case i'm like if the intention wasn't then don't just churn out some knockoff shit yeah again i'm like i'm also i don't want a new resident evil game every year they need time to breathe and yes decompose they (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you, you need time between them, otherwise you get what happens with Resident Evil 2 is great, but Resident Evil 3 come out literally the next year and we all went, I think this needed more dev time, this needed more separation. And then like yeah. the year following we've had Resident Evil 8. Don't get me wrong, great, I like all those games and Resident Evil 3. I'm just like need a little bit of a breather here, guys. Yeah. Like, unless they're going to say Code Veronica's out next year, then yeah, I'm in. But <laughs> yeah, but they won't because they have a thing for Code Veronica, evidently. I mean, not content with just, I mean, they showed off Monster Hunter as well, which was there, and they ended on esports. Who gives a fuck about esports? Esports players, I guess. Nobody. Just 20 minutes on esports. But however, Massive shout out to Bandai Namco who said, "Hold my beer." You think that was the worst in show? They had a whole presentation <laughs> dedicated to the new Dark Anthology game, um, House of Ashes, I think it's called. Um, okay, which I is do. set in during the Iraq War in Iraq somewhere. Those games mm. are wink wonk anyway, so that would yeah. probably oh fun. definitely whatever. I mean. Troubling thing for me this year with E3 was that aside from Ubisoft doing their normal look at split, look at uh, all of the Far Cry and Tom Clancy whoring his name out, he would be rolling in his grave. Mm. Um, and for whatever reason, doing a, an Avatar game, which we successfully predicted on the last side order, who the fuck saw that coming? I reckon yeah. they heard our last Soid order and went, yeah, we need to do an Avatar game. Mm. Uh, who who saw that coming? Is and that, is it just going to play like that? an Assassin's Creed game? Yeah. Undoubtedly, yeah. Because it's Ubisoft. Instead of and climbing buildings, I'm climbing trees and plugging my wanger into other bloody wangers to get network connectivity <laughs> or whatever it was. Nonsense, yeah. Yeah. As you can probably tell, I was not impressed by E3 at all this year really wasn't no i think it come down to two things one being that who knew that a global pandemic would literally affect everything and obviously because everyone's been working at home they've not necessarily had dev kits to work off of but you Uh, you know what my pushback is if you're a developer and you had nothing to show just don't turn up like it must that, cost think... them money to turn up. So why mm. bother? I think part of the joy of E3 as well 
is the really, really corny um, stage presentations as well. Now, it's, it's, it's when they're all there in person and you're in the crowd and everything, it's different. But where it's online and you've got them in a the studio talking, I'm like, if they're shit and corny, I'm like, why haven't you rehearsed this more? Like, mm. it's a video stream you're doing. Why haven't you pre-productioned and, like, spent hours on post-production as well to make this tip-top notch? Yeah. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, like I say, part of the joy of it being a live show, like I say, on the stage, is you do get those really weird, wacky moments. I can think back to E3, I want to say it was 2006, 2007, where they had the Nintendo head honchos on stage uh, showing off Wii Music. Do you remember that? Vaguely, yeah. Where they stood on the stage and they had the controllers and they were pretending to be a band. It was so awkward and stilted. You kind of had to laugh at it. And obviously, at the last proper E3, you had Ikumi Nakamura, who just became just <laughs> an mm. absolute legend to, to the internet community. Ikumi Nakamura just coming out on stage going, Hi, kawaii, doing the leg kick and stuff, you know. It, it's you know it's things like that, that that really make the show for me and i mean i think back to e3 when i was younger obviously before the dawn of the internet and when video game magazines were a thing and you would always get excited for the june july issue because you're like oh it was e3 we're gonna get like 40 pages or whatever of brand new yeah. uh pictures yeah. and stills and information about these upcoming video games that just sound absolutely great and stuff you know i think it's more of a nostalgia thing i really don't know if e3 is going to be relevant anymore given it how isn't. much it isn't relevant now when no, a company I mean, wants see... to release something they put a tweet out they whack a video on youtube job done yeah i don't know how I mean, I think Nintendo are partly to blame for this, really, because, I mean, they start pretty much started it with the Nintendo Directs along with kind of the Switch thing, because I think they were the first people to start doing online conferences in this manner with their Nintendo Directs. And I can see that, because, honestly, it saves them money from, sh from shipping out a whole show out to wherever and obviously putting it on there you've got to pay for flights you've got to pay for yeah. accommodations you've got to pay for the space yeah uh, what what kind of what's the point you can do it all yeah. in-house and yeah and obviously at the moment where sony are the same they they pulled out as well a few years back and just went now nah, bollocks to you we're, we're not we're not participating in this um yeah. and they do their own stuff and you're like okay why pay again as my i think my opening point was why are they paying the free ease for all of this when anybody can set up a youtube they've got twitter accounts mm. fuck they could play a bloody twitch streamer person to stream a demo of a game or something can get more views yeah like and all they have to do is give them like a 50p like bloody Cadbury Dairy Milk or something, and they'll stream it for them. Like, so. Yeah, so when RE8, when RE8 was due to come out, Capcom were actively seeking people to stream their 
uh, announcement streams like in March and I think February, March time, whatever they, you remember they did those streams. They were like, yeah, have a look at the game and stuff more in depth. They were seeking ambassadors and stuff on, on Twitch so that people would like live react to it and stuff in order to get exposure and stuff. I think with the way things are going at the moment, that's probably where I think a lot of video game announcements and such like is gonna go it will become more social so in a way they will like i say because if you as soon as you put it out on the internet like in a digital platform or whatever and you get an audience watching i mean take this for an example i went onto the official e3 twitch stream yes that's a thing it was a thing anyway i went on there but their chat oh 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 no 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 it, it was a sky of punk of scum and villainy. It was horrible. If it wasn't people insulting the presenters on screen who are only doing a job that they've been paid to do, to be fair, they were putting things like, oh, boring, next game, or emojis of people snoring, or they were being really sexist because obviously there was a woman on screen playing a video game because obviously... A woman? Women can't... What? A woman playing video games? She should be in the kitchen, and, you know, that sort and of thing. Speaking yeah. and saying words. Nonsense. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, no, I, I think one of the key things as well in this day and age, why would I want to wait to every June to see what video games are coming out of a conference when they can announce them when they're good and ready? They don't have to suddenly yeah. go, oh, we're not quite ready on our dev, but we need to push something out at E3, you know early concept title saying why bother just go oh we won't be ready till september you know and then just advertise it then i think i think with you saying that as well i think it will greatly benefit as well because a lot of the time video game companies where they have to go to these expos and things they will create a thing that i don't know if you've heard of this terminology before matt but they will create a thing called a vertical slice of their game have you heard of this concept before? I believe so. So basically, for people who don't know, a vertical slice is essentially a gameplay demo where it facilitates every single one of the uh, features that's going to be featured in your game. So they might, if your game features fighting, driving, and shall we say, I don't know, um, singing. Backflipping. Backflipping. They purposely create a part of the game that has all of these features in one section for media or people to play. And that was sort of part of the thing with Cyberpunk 2077, as I've learned watching the excellent Mac- Matt McMuscle's video, uh, The What Happened. Highly recommend watching what happened? that. What happened? Highly recommend watching that because he explains it basically how they split the team in part where half of it were developing this uh, vertical slice for media and stuff where it was actually taken away from the core uh, team developing the actual game which is very very interesting and obviously if they didn't have to go ship it out and show it to the media uh, places like uh, E3 or the Tokyo Game Show as another example uh, but maybe product would have been a little bit better probably not a lot better but well certainly a little bit there but that particular product had other issues upper management appeared to have been complete smackheads doing too much cocaine 
Um, yeah, like I say, the Matt McMuscles video, the what happened on Cyberpunk 2077, uh, if I remember, I'll put it in a link dump or I'll put it on the sock meds. It's definitely worth watching. It's very, very interesting, as are all of his um, what happened videos, actually. They're very, very interesting. And you can see about the state of the video industry. Well, I think on that note, that's been your side order. So I'd like you all to like, rate, subscribe on your platform of choice. Um, I can't remember the next bit. There, boy, Dave, Dave, say all the words you normally say on the outro. What do you think? Do you agree or disagree? Do you want to get in contact with us with about E3? I'm really quite generally interested to hear people's thoughts and opinions about it, whether you're into video games or not. Get in contact with us. We're over on Twitter as at anyone podcast. We're on Facebook as well. God help you should you still have it. We're on there. Just search for us. You will find us. Longer rants, rambles, considerations, free voice ill, and free stuff. Send me free stuff. Go on. You know you want to. Uh, can be sent via email to anyone for seconds at gmail.com. Give us a like rating review on your podcast platform of choice as it helps us. Thank you. And we can infect further ears and such like. 